We dedicate this season to friend of the pod, Christian Salisbury, a life and talent taken from the herd way too early. He will be remembered for his speed and agility, but most of all, his smile and infectious enthusiasm. If you're able, go to the link in the description and donate to the Christian Salisbury Memorial Fund and help more kids like Christian find their way to professional football. Carry that rock in peace, my friend. You will be missed. District Podcast. Welcome back to the Turf District, where we huddle up to talk all things Edmonton Elks and the CFL, and we're a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I'm Andrew, and that's right, it's Turf District Tuesdays. Uh, we are back in the district with a new guest and lots of fun to talk about, especially our comeback kids after a second big return in the fourth quarter for the Edmonton Elks. Uh, our guest also is going to be talking about a comeback, which uh, a, a different one, but yet still. Uh, if you've downloaded the podcast, thank you so much for downloading. If you've joined us on YouTube, thank you so much for joining us and put your questions in the chat down below for our guest and we'll get to some of those uh, as the show show goes on uh, or you could be listening to us on Edmonton Sports Talk Radio uh, Thursday nights at eight o'clock and if you've done that thank you so much for tuning in we really appreciate it uh, all right let's bring in the one and only guest that I have or not guest but my co-host this evening because Mike oh is away <laughs> that's right no you're not a guest. you're the co-host there she is it's Commissioner Kayla how are you Commissioner back down to the guests I've got demoted yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I've, I've I'm a little tired this week. I don't know about you, but oh yeah, it's um, is it Tuesday? Really? That's it. It's Tuesday. I, oh it's, my gosh, it's it's only Tuesday. I know. Yeah, that's uh, anyway. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, somebody will make a gif of that. That was outstanding. We could use that to, in many, many games. Uh, let's bring in our guest uh, because yes. uh, I, I do want to get chatting with him. Uh, our guest this week is one of the editors of Three Down Nation. Uh, and as I found out this weekend, coaches high school football on the side. Uh, welcome to the show, JC Abbott. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's been absolutely. A pleasure. absolutely. We're glad to have you here. Now, before we get to the wild week that was, because there was so many exciting games going on in the CFL, uh, tell us a little bit about your football journey. Like, who introduced you to football, and and when did you become a fan? I've I've always been a fan. So I actually grew up in a family of Elks fans. So my oh nice my. My father was born on Grey Cup Sunday, 1956. Edmonton won <laughs> nice. on that particular day. My grandfather almost missed the birth because he was watching Don Getty lead Edmonton to a victory. And really from there, it, it's just been in the fabric of my family. So I grew up cheering for the green and gold, of course, moved out to the West Coast, was a BC Lions season ticket holder and have now shifted to the media side. So I no longer have team allegiances um but my father still very much cheers for the elks and commiserates when they're not doing so well and cheers when trey ford does something fantastic so i, I love seeing edmonton do well and have them back to their winning ways oh it 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 is kind of nice and uh and i'm i'm glad that i mean i'm glad your dad has such amazing taste that's good uh, hey, we, we, we appreciate it <laughs> And that makes sense then why because there was a while there where you were writing for the Edmonton side of things. So that, that makes a little more sense. You had some background there. I, I did a little dabbling with it, right? And I think when I first started, I, had I not been located out here, I would have done the Edmonton side because that was the team I followed more closely. But it just naturally being out here in Vancouver, right? 
it's it's the local team. So that's yeah. that's the one that I ended up covering week to week. And of course, I I was a Lions fan as well. I mm-hmm. went to all the games. We had season tickets, but when Edmonton came to town, we were turncoats, right? We wore our, <laughs> our Edmonton jerseys and we're full on green and gold in the stands. There was no question when those two teams faced off who we were cheering for. <laughs> well, well, welcome to the best show out there for just yeah, this the kind of person. Um, t- tell us a, um, a little bit. Oh, sorry, that's yours, Kayla. I'm stepping all over you. Go ahead. That's okay. I'm just trying. I'm trying to hide my turncoat over here. Okay. So that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good week to hide that a little bit. Yeah, thanks. Not yeah. even. Yeah. Uh, next, yeah, this this up after next week, I might just have to. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, wait. I have a question though. Are you don't have allegiances actually, or you don't have allegiances you can talk about publicly? <laughs> I mean, that's that's a good question. Do I have soft spots for certain teams? Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. But but really, as I've gotten more into the media side, the, the true fandom has dissipated uh, in the way that it once did. And I think that comes when you understand the dynamics behind the scene. Now, are there storylines I cheer for? Absolutely. Are there players that I secretly pull for? I'm unquestionably, but am I rooting for one team to win and another team to lose? Like I did when I was a fan that that's absolutely false. I'm rooting for there to be a story that I can write about Mm -hmm. in the game, regardless of who is victorious, because the last thing I want is, is a game where nothing is happening and there's nothing to talk about. A true CFL fan, then we can call you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, look okay. at the shirt, Miami man- Manatees. Come on, yeah, dude. that right there, there is a true CFL. Yeah, that's amazing. See, call that's back. before me. I'm just like, what even is that? <laughs> a fat dolphin with a football? Like what? <laughs> no, it's a manatee. I know. <laughs> okay, well, we can talk about something less controversial then. Um, did you have a favorite player or players growing up? Oh yeah. I mean, I was a big Ricky Ray guy. So that yeah. was, he, he got me into, into football really. And there on the NFL side, it was Brett Favre who could not be more different from Ricky Ray, <laughs> you know, I, you know, freewheeling big arm, all those things, but Ray, his, his calmness, his steadiness, the way he approached the day, the game almost academically that I was really drawn to that because I was a very nerdy kid and you know not overly uh, athletically gifted and i just loved the fact that here was this guy who clearly was not very athletically gifted in the traditional sense but could pick apart a defense with his brain and and with how he delivered the football so ray was my guy i also had a soft spot for the like the oldies because again i was a a nerdy kid i loved history so when i was you know six or seven years old i used to come home get on the the family computer and go to the cfl hall of fame website and read all the bios on the old players so i would have told you when i was 10 years old that my favorite players were jackie parker and normie kwong because (laughs) that's that's who i grew to love learning about the history of this game oh that's that's amazing so okay wait if you coach, did you play at all when you were younger? I pl- I played all throughout high school, but my okay. my future in the sport was was limited <laughs> in, on the playing field, to say the very least. I I played offensive line. Uh, I was undersized for that position and unathletic for that position. So that's a dangerous combo out there. Um, the the brain always worked faster than the feet, so that's that's why I'm in the coaching side now. I really sort of stuck around the game in, in every way that I could once I graduated from high school and coaching and ragging and, and doing some scouting work on the side. So that's how that sort of came about. That's yeah. What, what, uh, what position are you coaching then? Uh... So this, this year I'm the head coach oh, of my, wow, cool. my old high school program. So I've taken over the whole thing for the first time. It's a lot to handle. It's a, a learning experience constantly. Um, but it's it's a lot of fun as well, and the kids are always you know fantastic to be around, and there's so many lessons to be had there as well. 
Oh, that that's amazing. Uh, yeah, we should have had Superfan here. He could have had a full conversation with you about Parker and Kwong. He would have, yeah. we would have just sat back and watched the two Google minds go at it. It would have been fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, let let's talk a bit about this year now. Th this year in the CFL, it's been bonkers. Um, we I, we're going to get to talking about the Elks comeback, of course, but. Tell us about the atmosphere at BC Place on Saturday night with that massive comeback of the BC Lions. It was unbelievable. I mean, truly one of the most unique experiences I've had as a fan or a media member. I've never been in a game quite like that. Obviously, I think it's the second biggest fourth quarter comeback in CFL history at, at 19 points. And the way it happened there... It was funny. We were joking about it in the press box. We're like, well, it's only one play away. It's the CFL. It's this uh, week. <laughs> these, these, these fools going to the exit. And then all of a sudden, Terry Williams takes that that field, missed field goal return all the way back to the house. And you could just tell the shift. And I, I will say this. BC Place, it wasn't the biggest crowd they've had all year because obviously Ottawa wasn't that big of a draw this season. Um, and some people left before the end, but it was a very passionate crowd. I thought, even especially by BC Place standards, there was some booing early on in the game, which I haven't heard in a long time when VA was struggling initially. So I was surprised by that. And then at the end, I mean, they were making each person the noise of at least three people as that <laughs> comeback happened. They actually had to quiet the crowd uh, after that field goal return when we went back on offense. So it was really special to be a part of. And I especially like the fact that three down nation doesn't have deadlines because everyone <laughs> else in that press box was forced to rewrite their entire article in a mad panic. <laughs> I am also appreciative of that because I had a sick child in the morning and I didn't get mine done right away. And then I'm like, I got to watch these gate Like, you know, Hamilton winning over Winnipeg and then BC with the massive comeback. I'm like, Oh my goodness. It was just what a week. What a yeah. crazy week of football. Um now you talk about the the atmosphere and the the crowds in BC place. Obviously, you know, Amor Amar Doman has been kind of a breath of fresh air in BC, but what what things do you see as far as the growth of BC Lions football uh, in, in the last year or two? I mean, he's absolutely changed the game day experience. And you can you can feel it as soon as you walk into the stadium. There's always been some things outside in Terry Fox Plaza, right? There's you know a yeah. few things going on here or there, but it's truly a party atmosphere going on there now. And it has been for the last couple of years since he took over. The crowd outside that draws people in has changed dramatically from what was a pretty quiet atmosphere when I first started going into the press box and had been for a number of years to a pretty rowdy one now with a lot of entertainment. There's lots of kids out there. There's also an adults only section where you can have yourself a, a nice cool beverage if the day is nice. And there's always sorts of activities and, and different things going on. I especially liked a few, a uh, few weeks ago when the riders were in town, well, they brought, the raggers in on it they had watermelon yeah. eating contests they had all sorts of festivities outside every opportunity to do something like that the team has done it in the last couple of years and it has changed what the game day experience has been like now is there thousands and thousands more fans than there used to be no it's a it's a gradual mm -hmm. shift right it's going to take time of course but there is unquestionably momentum behind the BC Lions, and even with a player like Nathan Rourke, who a lot of people credited that for last year, right? Oh, well, Rourke's in town. Once he's gone, we'll really see. I don't think it's dissipated at all. In fact, they've drawn bigger crowds at stages this year than they did with Rourke uh, on the field last year. So it's, it's truly special to see what that sort of investment can do for a franchise when you have local ownership. I actually didn't know that they brought in, like, I thought they did the watermelon thing kind of like as a joke and like the memes and whatever. I didn't know that they actually had a competition to drive rider. That is brilliant. That yeah, is the, absolutely the, quintessential to CFL. I love that. Yeah, it was fantastic. And, and 
part of it was the riders have, I guess, a fan tour. They go get every city because they have such a, a well-traveled fan base, obviously. So they were having their own party. And rather than having this party a couple blocks over at a bar or whatever, the Lions said, hey, just have it with our party. We'll split it down the middle. We'll have the Lions fans on one side, the Riders fans on the other, and we'll have competitions back and forth. And I thought it was truly fantastic. They did some stuff in stadium as well at halftime. They brought regular Joe Ryder fans down to compete against <laughs> BC Lions fans who were all collegiate athletes that they brought from the local universities <laughs> and, awesome. and, and former Lions players. So they got their butts whooped. They had Brent Butt, who lives in Vancouver now, but of course is an iconic Saskatchewan figure, you know, cut into the Jumbotron and pretending like he'd hacked it. There was all sorts of things that they did, which, you know, a lot of teams would say, no, we, we're not going to cater to the opposing fan base at all. The Lions said it's going to make this game day experience better to have everyone involved. So kudos to them. I'm me. It's like a little mini gray cup almost. You know? <laughs> it's a way to do it. Bring people in. I, I, I love it. Yeah. Because it funnels down to like the BC Lions. They that's their ticket sold. So it's genius, yeah. like marketing wise, too. So, oh, oh, that just uh, that made me so happy. Now I really <laughs> want to go to BC Place sometime. I don't think I have time this year. Anyway. <laughs> you know what? I've been there when the Elks have been there the last few times. You know, the, the so crowd well. is amazing and the and the and the Outside party is amazing, and and the atmosphere is very cool. Uh, you probably don't have to stay for the game part, though. Uh, I mean, that well, might change now. That might change now. But I still. wouldn't have to go when the Elks are playing. Clearly, I just true. ride that's the coattails, true. like we were saying. It's <laughs> very, very true. Anyway, anyway, that is, I digress, and this is a terrible segue. But um, so far, what has been your biggest CFL story? So, what do you mean by that? What oh, my this, biggest like story? This is your storyline oh, that you've covered this, this year. year. Yeah. Oh, I I think it's been the split between the top and the bottom. I think, or the top and and the middle, because you have three teams right now that are so clearly above the rest. And there's been some slip ups, right? I mean, obviously, Ottawa and Hamilton have beaten the Bombers. The Lions have lost a couple of games. They probably like back, but you can distinctly see that there are three teams that are very real Grey Cup contenders in the Toronto Argonauts, who I think are in a class of their own, quite frankly, the mm -hmm. Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the and BC the Lions. Oh, right. Oh, sorry. Not, not uh, quite there yet. Not, not quite. Right. Oh, my you know, maybe, maybe, if, maybe if Trey Ford started week one, we'd be having a different conversation. <laughs> but no, there. But then there's this this other tier of teams, right? And And frankly, it's not even a split between the top and the bottom. It's the top and the middle. Because all these guys on any given week seem to be able to beat one another. And there have been hot streaks and cold streaks for all these teams. Ottawa, I think, clearly is at the bottom now. But when Dustin Crum first was under center, you would have had them at the top of that pack, right? So things have changed in that group. And every single week, it seems like another one, oh, maybe they're legitimate. Oh, but no, now they've had a loss that you know can't be forgiven. And it's someone else who steps up. I don't know if any of those teams come playoff time are going to have the juice to actually get it done and win a gray cup, but being able, there's never been a season where we've had to sort out that much muck at sort of the bottom of the playoff picture where the top has been that distinct, right? There's not going to be any 10 win third seeds this year, right? It's going to be a bunch of 500 teams that are, you know, struggling and scratching and clawing against each other. And it's going to come down right to the final final game of the regular season. Oh, so then I'm going to throw in a bit of a more controversial question to you then. <laughs> okay. What are your predictions at the end of this? Oh, I mean, oh. that's a tough question. <laughs> I, I think the Toronto Argonauts repeat as Grey Cup champions. That's, that's my hot okay. take right now. I think they are just too good and too deep i think that will change after this off season right it's going to mm -hmm. be awfully tough for them when once they're paying chad kelly uh you know the highest salary in the cfl for them to keep the band together but right now because he is as cheap as he as he is and they've given him a little bit of a pay bump uh as part of that deal but but not a ton, right? He's still much less than a guy like Zach Caleros is gigging or or even a Vern Adams Jr., right? So 
they've they've had tremendous savings at the quarterback position and they've surrounded it with so much talent at every position and it may not be that they have the number one guy at every single spot but they have solid starters who are backups for them right mm -hmm. and there's times this season where they've rested guys that are all-star caliber players to get somebody else in the rotation right like sean oakman was a healthy yeah. scratch for several yeah. games he's a cfl all-star defensive tackle last year and they didn't see a drop off when he was off the field right that's the caliber of guys that they have just sitting behind the depth is incredible so right now to me they're the runaway favorites I'll be really fascinated to see how the what I think will be the next two games between the Bombers and Lions go, right? Because they mm -hmm. play in week 18 and then inevitably I think they'll they'll meet in the playoffs as well. I think those two franchises both have arguments in favor of them being the better one right now. And it's going to be really intriguing to see how that matchup uh finishes as as the season goes on. I want to know who's going to be the wheel, the, the wild card that throws a wrench into this whole storyline, and like, <laughs> who's that one team that is going to mess it up for everybody else? That's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> it's it's going to be interesting to see the quarterback recoveries too, because the Riders still haven't rolled ruled out Trevor Harris for the season, right? Does mm -hmm. he make a return? for the last couple weeks it's still a possibility right it seems improbable but we've seen wilder things before and then the hamilton tiger cats taylor powell has looked great the last couple weeks right he's yeah. really made a statement and i haven't been a fan of bo levi mitchell the last couple of years i've been very vocal about that i didn't think he looked good when he was under Sanger for the tie cats but what if he's back and they make a quarterback switch there what does that do to the tie cats chances so there's some, that helps some the interesting so they can go ahead and do that that's fine i'm good with that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. go ahead and lose that's great yeah, that's great yeah how how many times in the last few years have you been rooting for a team to play bo levi mitchell as an elks fan because that doesn't seem like something you've had to deal with <laughs> well that's not that's not true because in when the last couple of years in calgary i was like yeah okay he can he can play although that system was i think a little better suited to him and and yeah. he hasn't been under center with scott milanovich calling the offense which could be different right he could he yeah. could definitely have a, a better picture of how to use him but um but yeah he he, he did not I, I was saying that in the off season i'm like they put a lot of money into Bo that i'm not sure that was money well spent but uh, they're they're finding a way right now with the rest of the pieces they got on that team yeah, they are. And, and Powell looks like maybe he's not going to be a superstar. I, I'm not seeing right. that in him yet, but he certainly looks like a capable quarterback, a guy who could be around for a while, either, at, you know, one of those one a one B guys who can, who can start for you. That's what he looks like right now. He's doing it at a high level as a rookie, which again, yeah. I don't think we've talked enough about this season. We haven't had a, a quarterback, excuse me, uh, win most outstanding rookie since 1982. Yeah, it was wow. Chris Isaac. So we have legitimate candidates in Dustin Crum and yep. in Taylor Powell now. That is shocking that we could have two guys competing for that award, which hasn't been won in, in almost 40 years or more than 40 years by a quarterback. Speaking of uh, Canadian players and, and quarterbacks, um, did the race get a little harder for the most outstanding Canadian uh, coming up? I, I, I know I made the joke of the, you know, MOP after nine games asking for Trey Ford, or, or I, I took my friend's joke on and put it in there, but still um, it is the race for most outstanding Canadian getting a little murky as the, as the last few games tick off. I think it is. And, that's less to do with Trey Ford actually deserving it. I, and he's been fantastic. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But, yeah. you know, we saw what Nathan Rourke did in nine games. That's sort of the standard for winning an award when you only play half a season. He hasn't quite been at that level. I think we can agree on that. Yep. He has been fantastic, but he hasn't been necessarily generational as, as I think Rourke was uh, last year. 
but voters are always going to skew quarterback and they're always going to skew right. towards the storyline. And ultimately these wards are not decided by the statistics or how the coaches are dragging these players. It's, it's media voters who make those decisions. And Trey Ford is both an extremely compelling storyline. And he's also playing the game's most important position. And yes, this isn't a most valuable award, which I think automatically right. skews quarterback. It's most outstanding, but voters still skew towards the quarterback whenever they can. That said, I mean, Brady Oliveira oh, he's has been a beer. unbelievable. Just, yeah. uh, you know, a monster out there for Winnipeg. And if he doesn't win it, that would be an absolute shame because he has been great from start to finish. I don't think, I mean, Trevor, Kevin Brown is having a great late stretch to, mm -hmm. to really push him. But for most of the season, nobody has been even remotely close to Brady all year. So it would be a shame if he didn't win it. I know Matthew Betts was an early favorite. He's really cooled off, I think. And I, while he remains one of the better defensive ends in the league, I don't think he's a legitimate, most outstanding Canadian candidate anymore. I think you, you have to skew towards Brady. But Ford is definitely putting the pressure on. And a couple more wins, right? He's gonna he's gonna steal some votes. There's no question. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, okay, we've got a couple of um, fan questions in here. Um, first one here from uh, Big Fan 2019. Uh, a few weeks ago, Randy Ambrosi said that Quebec City has a better shot of getting a CFL team than Halifax. What's your take on that? I don't think he quite phrased it that I, way. <laughs> I don't remember it quite that way, but yes, <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah. He, He's definitely been an advocate for Quebec City. Um, mm -hmm. You know, my colleague and our colleague, I guess, John Hodge, just yeah. got back from Quebec City. I, mm -hmm. I think he'll have some more insight regarding that. I haven't had a chance to speak with him since that trip yet. Um, but I've always been extremely skeptical of the CFL in Quebec City. Um, and... I really have no faith that it would work. And I'll, I'll tell you why. First of all, I want to say I love Quebec City. It's one of my favorite places in the entire world. I've been there many times. If there was a team in Quebec City, I would immediately move there. And start <laughs> right? Like, it's one of the best places on earth. But it's not so easy. First of all, I think people, especially Anglophones, underestimate the cultural differences right? Mm -hmm. And this is not Montreal, right? You can live your entire life in Montreal as an Anglophone, never speak a lick of French and get by just yeah. fine, right? right? You cannot do that in Quebec City. It is 95% French. I think only 30% of the population speaks English at all, even as a second language. So mm -hmm. that's a significant, significant language barrier that the league, I don't think has the resources to be able to handle. I mean, you're talking about, you can have some stars, guys that are Francophone that you can put in those cities, but you're talking about a place where your starting quarterback and likely your head coach are never going to be able to speak the language of the majority of the fans. Mm. That is a significant hurdle to overcome, let alone the cultural issues that come with the CFL having a, a very Anglophone reputation. I mean, if you go back you know, to you know the October crisis and things like that, I mean, it was seen very much as an Anglo-Canadian institution uh, that was you know viewed very differently by Quebec. And while Quebec has embraced football, they haven't necessarily, in the French-speaking world, embraced the CFL as much as they've embraced the NFL. There's good numbers for the the uh, for for Montreal, they support their college football like nobody else in the country. But again, that's a very different culturally than mm -hmm. supporting a CFL team that will be largely English speaking from an English speaking league. Um, on top of that, there's just not support for it in the business community. If you want to go into Quebec City, there is one man that you need to get on side, and that's Alex Tongue who is, or Jacques Tange, sorry, who is the, uh, basically the business mind behind the Laval Rouge or and all their success. And in these comments that, that the fan is, is referring to, um, they went and, and reached out to Mr. Tange for his response. And he said, basically there's no appetite. It's not happening. 
Uh, I don't even think it's happening in Halifax was basically his quotes. Okay. Uh, he has <laughs> no appetite, despite the fact that Mr. Ambrosi keeps name dropping Tongay whenever he talks about Quebec City. <laughs> those two are not on the same page. And without his support, you can't get into Quebec City and you can't use the existing facilities there. They've had a couple of preseason exhibition games there over the last number of years. I think they got 10,000 out in 2005 when they had support from Laval and Tongay to do it. They did it again in 2015 with the Red Blacks and Alouettes without support from Laval. They got 4,000 out oh, in wow. that stadium, right? Okay. For context, there was 18,000 out for Laval Montreal this past weekend. So yeah. that's significant. You need to get on side with Tongay. You need his support to even think of getting into that cultural uh, market. I just don't see it happening anytime soon. Yeah, that's fair. Wow. That's that's crazy. Um, all right, the uh, there is. Let's just see what else I've got in here. Uh, I think you kind of answered this already, but Leanne was asking, "Who is your all-time favorite CFL player?" It's, it's probably Ricky Ray in terms of guys I've <laughs> actually watched. Right, yeah. I, I love him. Um, I mean, there's there's some great ones. You know, I I've had a chance. I'm actually coaching right now with the great Jim Mills. Uh, oh, he's cool. helping out with our high school team. So him, Chris Walby, guys like that. I think offensive linemen. I've also gotten a chance to meet and, and get to know Brian Chu, who I was you know huge on growing up. And Angus Reed is another one. So as an offensive lineman, those are some guys I looked up to as well. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I think this is referring to the uh, the Saskatchewan crossover in BC, but uh, Brian was asking, is there a combine park in a BC place? Uh, just, just to make sure. Yeah. Combine, oh, combine oh, parking? Geez. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there you go. How, how, about, how, about, how much of a city dweller am I? But I was like, the CFL combine's not coming to Place. I so knew that's your process. Go. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, yeah. A little. Anyway, there's some uh, prairie humor. I know it's. Sounds it's, funny. It's, uh, yeah. That was that was a good one. Uh, Brian also saying that the race for the best named after a vehicle is a lock. We already know who's going to win that. That would obviously be Trey Ford. Um, our friend Cliffy from Montreal saying uh, it's not getting any easier for non-francophones out that way either um and it said it didn't help that they charge regular season ticket prices for that preseason game in 2015 uh locals are not used to paying those kind of prices and definitely shield shied away from the game so uh yeah it like you said the support has to be there to make sure that they're going to be able to put uh, something out there that would actually last so it uh, could be very interesting um all right so let's get to our game because uh that's that boy i tell you that was an exciting game uh we're gonna add in some queen's wave there we need to have that in there again because you can't get enough of that with dean faithful elks pull out the fourth quarter comeback for a second game in a row uh winning 36 to 27 over the riders um they were down for the whole game until there was six minutes left in the game when they finally take the lead. Uh, JC, give me your uh, opinions about this game. It's Trey Ford, right? And it's <laughs> it's both the good and the bad. Correct. Him, right? Because yeah. mm -hmm. you see the times and, and the, the knocks that were on him coming through the draft process and the questions about him as a passer and how he can sometimes be erratic. We've seen that been proven true at multiple mm -hmm. times in the last couple of weeks, right? He has struggled at moments and he struggled for much of this game. But the thing about him and because he's such a dynamic athlete, he can turn it on like that. And that's exactly yep. what he did, right? All it takes is one, one play. And I think when he broke that tackle from Lake Corte Moore, who's a, a, a friend of the <laughs> three out nation <laughs> podcast. And I felt for him in that play. I don't think he ever dealt with someone quite as athletic as Trey Ford before broke that tackle and got it to Eugene Lewis. You know, it was, it was different. And that's what he's been able to do is change the game with one or two athletic plays and then all of a sudden it spirals because you can't contain them. Yeah, I think like Corday Moore is still looking for him. I don't know how that happened. Like I, I had him. <laughs> just like like it was like his Houdini. I don't know how he yeah. how he got out of that. It was unbelievable. Uh Commissioner, give me your thoughts on the game. 
Oh my gosh, for the first time in so long, I was actually having heart palpitations. So I was like, <laughs> this is too much. There's too much on the line. <laughs> but yeah, it's a it was it was it was a little bit of like payback for the, you know, those other games we don't want to talk about that happened as yeah. Icky, icky, icky. The ones we should have um, won, those first two? Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, so we forget about the icky. All right, so glad to do a podcast. Okay, go ahead. Yes, I, I, and I mean, it's it's almost as if I don't even know how to express like my feelings about this game because I just like I said, it's been so long since I was invested, and in, like I mean, like the games. Yes, we've been winning and stuff, but for some reason, this game felt way more essential than any other because now we have stake, like we have a stake in the entire season. Like we're still mm. mathematically not out of the playoffs, which is crazy. We just <laughs> need everybody else to lose, and yeah, you know, if we could do that, that'd be great. But. <laughs> It was like controlling your own fate, right? And it just felt palpable. Like I was sweating and my heart was pounding. And I'm like, I forgot how much I hate and love this at the same time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like Dean Faithful, what can you say? Again, yep. like just a flawless game. And 11 straight now. So um, I'm incredible, like fantastic. And I mean, I know there's some people who are like, well, that's his, uh, that's his job. Yes. But a lot of people can't do their job well <laughs> and they still have it. They just don't do it well. <laughs> so, I mean, that's fantastic. And like Kevin Brown, holy smokes. Like I'm just waiting for the game when there's not a turnover and we can just say like, that was the best game he's played. Um, it's it's those fatal little stupid mistakes that still drive me crazy. And but hey, the fourth quarter came back instead of the other way around. Like that's a good trend to have, right? And Make it. two I two think, week two games in a row. Right. Yeah. Oh, but the biggest thing was Chris almost got his hair cut. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah i know cj uh, i thought he had one he had oh, he I had he, it he had it he, he got tripped up tripped himself for con- up. yeah yes for context we're waiting on a return kick touchdown for chris to cut his hair it's like this long now mm-hmm. and it's been since 2015 since we've got since the eskimo slash Alex have gotten one so that we're waiting for that day and we almost had it in Ryderville. Oh, he, he said, yeah, Chris has yeah very, very long, thick hair. And he said, as soon as we get a return touchdown, he'll cut it off. And uh, so as soon as CJ tripped, uh, a super fan texted me and said, is Chris there? Is he a, he's got a sniper grunting out in the, like, <laughs> <laughs> the bear paw sniper going on or something? I know I text Chris. I was like, crazy. so close. He's like, so close. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was that, that was pretty funny. Um, I agree with you. I mean, the, I think the storyline, Kevin Brown, like 175 yards. Gorgeous game. Just breaks a thousand for the year we i was joking about it with coach Lennon last week um because we said oh he was at eight i said i think he's just over 800 and then coach Lennon said oh yeah he's at 855 he was at 829 but you know who's counting uh either of us and i said oh okay well then he'll you know that's easy then he'll just get the they'll get to thousand this week 100 percent a joke not a joke. Kevin Brown uh, just finds ways. And and that balance, like you were talking about, JC, about how Trey Ford does bring that other dynamic, that other athleticism that is now making the other guys around him have more opportunity. And I think that's what we're seeing with Kevin Brown. Yeah, and, and I'd like to give some credit to the Elks offensive line as well. Yes. How they've, 100%. They've improved. Yeah. And like... Obviously, there are reasons why it's a little bit easier when Trey Ford is your quarterback to be a blocker because <laughs> when you make a mistake, you don't get burned for it as frequently when the guy behind you is an absolute freak. But the flip side of that is when they're not taking sacks and they're not having those problems in pass protection because Ford can escape and they're moving him outside the pocket, now all of a sudden they have the luxury to be able to stick with the ground game. And yes. this group has gotten very good at being aggressive and getting in their flow and opening up lanes, right? And Ford helps with this as well because you've got to account for him in the box and there's an extra number that you've got to worry about. 
but they've done a good job of opening those holes and 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 getting aggressive in the trenches which they weren't doing at the start of the season it's changed dramatically up front and this running game right it's tough to win as a running team in the cfl but when you've got multiple multiple facets to it it's a lot easier and that's what the edmonton elks have right now a hundred percent. And Kevin Brown has run for 660 yards since Trey Ford took over as quarterback in six that's games, a hundred and ten yard average a game. Like that's that, that is nuts. Um, now Kayla, you talked about the fourth quarter comeback, which was exciting. I think the part that we can't overlook in there is the defense. Um, two fourth quarters in a row where they put up a bagel on the other team and they are finally now part of that is because the offense is actually on the field for a little bit longer so yes. they're not all dead tired but you can see some of those young guys really starting to grow and starting to graduate as niles morgan had said um they're learning how to play the game and starting to uh, get a little better at making sure that they're not getting points in the fourth quarter. There's so, definitely a few that are standing out too, at least for me. Okay, which ones are standing out for you? Uh, I'm really sorry. I really like Darius Brenton. Yep. I really like Marcus Lewis. Yep. I thought um, Kai Gray was kind of going to be a Chris Edwards, just given his personality. We'll say he's a little <laughs> bit more... He's got a personality, but he's calmed down as well. Yeah. So I'm I'm liking him. And I know he had a rough game. Um McLaren? Eight. McLaurin. McLaurin. Yeah. McLaurin. Yep. yep. So he had a rough game, but previous to that, he was really starting to step up as well. Yeah, absolutely. These guys mm -hmm. are start starting to come around and uh that that's that's what we want to see. So uh kudos to the defense on an amazing uh game and or second game. And then the last thing that I'm gonna mention, because we always talk about our kickers. Uh we talked about Dean Faithful, but oh my goodness, that Jake Julian punt that ran out at the four, game changer. Out at the four, defense comes in, gets the safety, game over. That's uh, wild. Amazing. Right on the line. Oh. Amazing. We'll take it. Uh, JC, our prop bet from last week was uh, Dylan Mitchell <sighs> passing yards. Uh, oh, and uh, I set the line at 59.5. He was a tad under. So um, those of you that picked under, well done. How's, how's so the 2,000 yards for the season going? For yeah, him? not not so well. No. No? No. No, no it's weird. It, yeah. Maybe you shouldn't have said that. Maybe you shouldn't have said that. What, wasn't there somebody else that said 2,000 as well? Oh yeah, I think yeah. So, who was it? Was it was it Reggie Begelzig or someone? Oh, it someone might else. Have been. Who's it not, might have been. Who's yeah, not there? Yeah. I mean, they're doing better at this I, particular I, moment, but not. I 2, think 000. yeah. The the other one, if I recall, was more like tongue in cheek, like oh yeah, we've got the <laughs> thing to do it. Whereas Dylan Mitchell, I think, seemed to legitimately believe that his goal could be two thousand. Yeah, which well. I mean, shoot for the stars, man. Generally, yeah. you you miss on you know. 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking this. I was going to say, aim that. for the moon. You land among the stars. I got my <laughs> my metaphors or next up, but that's not bad. It's not, yeah, it worked out all right. Um, so uh, another great game, another great comeback. Now we'll see if they can carry it over for another game. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit. They did make some signings this week. These are guys that are just as the practice roster expanded, they added in some guys. Uh, I know that they talked to Chris Jones about it yesterday and, and he was saying most of these guys are, you know, more a plan for next year than they are for this year. But last year around this time is when we added Kevin Brown and we added Dylan Mitchell and we, and we brought back Christian Salisbury and guess what? They were all big players. So, so we'll see how this uh, turns out. Obviously the lineup is a little different this year than it was last year where they were rotating everybody every game. So um, Wednesday, they did make it official that Donovan Alumba is back on the practice roster, which is amazing because he's super fun to be around. Yeah. Uh, JC, I don't know if you got any interaction with him at the combine here this year, but oh no. my goodness, he is just a ball of energy and uh, very, very exciting and, and positive player. So I, I'm Loves happy to have the game. him back. Absolutely. Yeah. He was, he was out in the hallway as the guys were doing their one-on-ones and somebody would connect a pass or whatever. And he'd just be like, yes, sir. 
<laughs> yeah. all chatting. And, uh, he, he's Donovan is so good. I had such a good chat with him. So uh, I'm excited he's back. Uh, and then they added in uh, defensive lineman Emeke Egbule. I think, am I saying that right? Egbule? Egbule? I believe so. You're, your guess is as good as mine. Correct. Yeah. He was with the Chargers. I know that. That's all I know. Uh, wide receiver Malik Flowers. Now, he also is a kick returner uh, who holds a record in the, can't remember the university that he went to, uh, but uh, he had seven kick returns in a season. Like, he's got some speed and, and that type of thing. So, we'll see what happens there. Uh, defensive back Javon Hicks, um, defensive back Josh Nurse, wide receiver Randy Satterfield, and offensive lineman BJ Wilson. So, uh, new guys on the practice roster for whenever we get down to a practice to see what they're doing out there as well. All right, it is time to set up our game for this week, uh, which is part of the reason that we had you here, JC, because you're out there uh, watching these Lions. Uh, Elks are back at home. Uh, they're taking on the Lions on, on Friday at 7.30. Uh, the tailgate will open around 5-ish. And uh, on the menu this week is the chili cook-off at the tailgate. Oh, so yes. there will be lots of different kinds of chili there. So come down and join us. I, we're trying to get fancy uh, bread bowls and the whole bit. So come in and enjoy some chili before the game uh, it might be a little chilly at the game being that it's getting into fall uh so bring your hoodies uh and because they're not bunny hugs because we live in alberta uh bring your hoodies and come on down to the tailgate early uh the elks need to win to stay in any kind of a playoff race they lose this one they are done uh bc of course as we talked about is coming off their giant comeback jc what are you watching for in this game bye I need to see how the BC Lions defense is going to handle Trey Ford and Kevin Brown because traditionally mobile quarterbacks and downhill rugging games, two weaknesses for this Lions squad for the last number of years, and that's what they're going to have to face, right? It'll be interesting to see how they match up personnel-wise, what they do to try and contain Trey Ford. Normally, I, you would think that they were going to assign Bola Combo to spy mm -hmm. him. Bola Combo is, of course, on the six-game injured list. Does Josh Woods take over that job? Is he capable of doing that? That's a tall task for a young player, obviously. But most importantly, up front, they figured out how to stop Ottawa's run game in the second half last week. Can that carry over? Because they've had some big gaps in the past. They need to be able to shut down Kevin Brown. Frankly, in my opinion, the the answer to those questions may come on the offensive side of the ball, right? It, it's very right. essential for Vernon Adams Jr. to come out in this game firing an all-cylinder and get up early so that the Elks can't rely on the run game and force Trey Ford to try and throw the ball downfield. If he can't do that, I actually don't think this is a great matchup for the Lions defense. Oh, I like the way you say that. That's exciting. Uh, my biggest question for this week, can the Elks score a single point? I hope so. They should be able to. They should be able to get one this time around. Sorry, Kayla. I just couldn't resist. Uh, what are you watching in this game, Commissioner? Well, y'all can say like your football analysis and like blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I don't care. This is my dream game. It is Trey Ford versus VA. I am so jacked. Oh my goodness. I don't care. That's what I'm watching. I am watching my two favorite quarterbacks go at it. This is exciting for me. <laughs> my goodness that is the uh tiktok clip right there yeah that is, don't that's, care on, that's yeah it's perfect don't yeah. care about it I, right. and this time around she is staying home so all right fair enough yeah, um yeah. though i guess my question in this game uh jc and commissioner I'll, I'll ask you both this is is can the Elks secondary step up against this very good bc receiving core um I look at that receiving core and you, you dangerous lucky whitehead Hollins, Hollins Hatcher Hatcher like it, it Mizell. <laughs> like it's just the like the, the receivers are out of this world and VA is good at getting them the ball so um 
I think this is the going to be the toughest challenge that the secondary mm-hmm. has had in this last six game stretch. I understand they played Winnipeg in there. That was Trey's first game. They got up, you know, quite, quite a ways and then kind of fell apart in the second half. But I'm curious, what, what are your thoughts on, on the Elks secondary actually being able to stand up against this BC receiving core? Well, I have bad news for you as well, Andrew. First of all, <laughs> yeah. you forgot about Justin McKinnis. Oh, yes, I did. O- yes. O- yeah. Only had eight only. receptions for 118 yards and two touchdowns last Look, week, right? Like, I- I'm just trying to blank it out. I got I got to find <laughs> a way to make this game exciting for me. Come on now, JC. I did forget. And, You're right. And the worst news, besides you forgetting Justin McKinnis, is actually he might take a step back because Dominique Grimes practiced yesterday oh great so he might be coming back i i don't know for sure what his status is but he practiced fully when they started practice this week so he's on track certainly to see the field if the lions want to use him and take him off the six game i'm not sure the scheduling if that would be early or if he's up on his six i have to look that up but that receiving core regardless is loaded with talent and they may be getting more this week right it's 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 a tough matchup and we all know that the edmonton secondary is extremely young and va is able to extend plays not quite as well as trey ford but certainly well enough in his own right to make it so that those guys are going to be stretched on the back end and are going to have to cover for longer and there is going to be mistakes right we know this And Vernon Adams Jr. has proven this season that he can capitalize with the best of them. I don't think he's gotten nearly enough credit league-wide. I know I've been you know, chirped endlessly for saying <laughs> that I think he deserves to be in the MOP conversation, but I will pound the table for it until he plays himself out of it. He hasn't at this stage because he's been so good on offense. Right? This is a situation I talked about the Elks offense being not a great matchup for the Lions defense. I think the reverse is true, right? This is an extremely tough matchup for the Elks through the air. The saving grace is they really don't have any semblance of a running game to worry about right now because Taquan Mazel, the last several weeks has not gotten anything going. I don't think the offensive line in BC has played particularly well. It's been VA through the air or nothing else but that's just not the strength right now for the Elks. I was going to say, yeah, the VA through the air can do a lot all on its own. Well, and what's dangerous too is like even when they're down, it seems like it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Throw all the interceptions you want because apparently they can still come back and beat you. Well, that sounds, uh, I I think both teams are kind of coming in on that high right now. It's like, go ahead. You can get, well, we'll just, find a way at the near the end of the game so i think it's very intriguing to see how both teams come off those giant comeback wins and then come into this and and one or both are gonna are gonna have some type of um, adversity to face in that first half and who's going to be able to adjust for it in the second it's a really really intriguing and much more exciting game now than it would mm-hmm. have been eight weeks ago right yeah. So, absolutely yeah so that that's exciting we'd be for looking me. for another shutout so <laughs> okay that's enough of that we're not talking about those anymore okay uh right, let's uh, let's talk about uh our pickums for this week um now jc we do not bet against the elks on this show so we will have a prop bet there are a number of options in the chat that i will give to you when we get to that uh, after we do our other games and then you get to pick which one we're gonna run this evening so and then okay. we'll go with that so uh our first pick them is uh, saskatchewan visiting ottawa um i know that's uh, that's kind of intriguing actually after the way that they both played last week jc who do you got in this game the riders they have to bounce back it's pretty critical for their playoff hopes and i think they're the better team overall for ottawa i know they've been close in most of these losses but it's seven in a row now at a certain point as a player right you you saw it in edmonton at the start of the year without any changes that's demoralizing and i think the agua red blacks may be demoralized going into this week the riders are going to capitalize that's fair 
Commissioner? That's probably true, but I'm going to I'm going to say Ottawa. <laughs> of course you are. Just because it's a good survival. Just because Okay. Yeah, and because I need them to lose. <laughs> point period blank like I, I don't understand like i don't care if they, if this is right or not like i suck at fantasy i suck at pick on so i'm just gonna pick ottawa <laughs> that's fair I, don't, I guess i can't really blame you for that uh i am gonna go uh with the uh, wrong shade of green as well because i have a feeling that they uh you know they played a really good game last week mm -hmm. they just couldn't finish but the they um Dolagal is fun to watch, uh, and it's wild to watch him just stand in there and be able to see the entire field because yeah. he's so tall <laughs> and uh, and fire away. So I, I'm excited to see. I well, I don't want Saskatchewan to win, but I think they will. Uh, well, it takes that green giant to the next level, right? Like he's essentially <laughs> a freaking green giant. Why have they not? That there's got to be a T-shirt, right? A jolly green giant with him bending down to talk to Britt Dort. Like it'd be the greatest, greatest T-shirt ever made. Come on, guys! I might even buy one. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. Montreal visits Calgary. Uh. Montreal coming off uh, a last-minute loss, uh, and Calgary coming off the bye week, which they do regularly have some success with. Commissioner, you get to pick this one first. I'm sticking to my strategy. Suck at Calgary. I'm picking Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, and uh, it's a it's an excellent strategy. Um, I I can't not go against Calgary coming off the bye. I just they, I, I understand their team is not what it once was, but. You give Dickinson time when you get a full extra week. You give guys a little bit of a break. They're coming back in. I, I think Calgary just finds a way at home. It'll be a very close one, but I think they find a way at home. So, JC. Whatever. The bye week makes it extremely tough for me, but I'm going to agree with the commissioner and simply because Ooh. there's a pattern here, right? Yeah. The Montreal Alouettes, they are 0-7 against teams that are above 500. They haven't lost yet to a team that's below 500. <laughs> Guess what, Calgary? <laughs> You're below 500. It seems like the pattern would suggest that the Montreal Alouettes will emerge victorious from this game. All right. Well, I mean, I wouldn't be upset about it. I'd just be, uh, that's fine. Uh, all right. Next game. Uh, Hamilton visits Toronto yet again. So uh, those teams are going to, they already didn't like each other. And now they're seeing each other over and over and over again. Uh, I revitalized Hamilton after the big win against Winnipeg last week but that does not matter because toronto is still a different team and more depth uh i think it'll be a closer game but i'm going to give this one to the argos jc i'm going to pick the underdog here and this isn't something <laughs> under normal circumstances right toronto is clearly the better team but yeah. they have nothing left to play for right mm -hmm. they've they've secured first place place in the east division that's all locked up and the hamilton tiger cats still have something to fight for they're yep. running on a high and we know it's extremely difficult in the cfl to sweep a season series i think hamilton is due to slip one past the argos this is the week and it's going to make the playoff picture a little bit more interesting all right fair enough commissioner I have a little broom that I can't reach. It would have been so perfect. It's right there because I just want to <laughs> sweep it up, Toronto. <laughs> Are you just picking that because it's the best for us? Yes. Okay, good. Okay, good. Uh, you're, that, you went a little Ballantine on me. I just wanted to make sure I was right. I, okay. Oh, well, good. and because it's just Toronto. And yeah, I think, okay. I don't know. Well, it depends. Like, are they starting to sit people already? Do you think they'll start sitting their starters? already oh it's so tough yeah i i don't know we won't know until the depth charts drop but yeah i mean all right there's a difference between sitting and being careful with i think they'll start being careful with their starters i'd imagine they would have to i don't think they can sit anyone yet just because of the cap implications of having That's to do fair. that yeah right but uh they're certainly not going to take any added risks with anybody at this stage well Come October 6th, hopefully, they sit a whole bunch. 
<laughs> You're going out there for that. I know. Yeah, yes. it's going to be exciting. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so our Elks prop bet. So here are all of the options because our good friend, uh, Uncle BD, who is the statistician for the Elks, put in some really good ones this evening. So first one is the Edmonton Elks average drive start. Uh, and his line was the Elks 37 and a half yard line. Uh, the next one was the Elks first point scored uh, with the line of seven and a half minutes in the first quarter. The next one was Niles Morgan defensive tackles with the line at 7.5. Uh, the fourth one he put in here was total turnovers with both teams uh, with the line at three and a half. Then he had Elks total rushes of 19.5. So there. Oh, and his last Oof. one, which is very important. Number of heart palpitations Kayla has line at 4.5. So you can pick whichever one you'd Ooh. like. <laughs> I might die in this game. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, is there one in there that you kind of liked, JC? There's a couple. I think I'll go the over on three turnovers, though. I feel like this is okay. a game that has the risk of being turnover heavy. We know that Trey Ford can be, you know, victim to, sure. you know, the the odd, um, you know, mistake and and poor decision. And guess what, Vernon Adams Jr occasionally commits a similar error so this seems like one of those games where we might have you know three or four interceptions plus maybe a fumble in here or a turnover on downs i'm taking the over on three turnovers all right turnovers kayla both Oof. teams three and a half Oof. what are you picking this, yeah this breaks my heart because offs um, <laughs> oh gosh What's the average? Sorry, did did BD put it in? He did not put it in. Nope. No, he just said that his line was three and a half. Can you go? For, I hang on. I really I need to think about this. Can All right, you go. I'll go. Okay, uh, I am going to just to be fun and be opposite of JC. I'm going to say the under, but I think it's three. I, I think it'll end up being three because um, I I know lately. Kevin Brown's been good for at least one fumble. Um, and then an interception on both sides is what I'm going to say. So I'm, I'm going to go with three and just say just under. All right, Commissioner, what you got? Can I say 3.5? You can't. <laughs> one is like turnover and then they would go back. Isn't that a point five? <laughs> it's not. No, that's not how this works. Yeah. No. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> I'll do. I'll, I'll go. I'm going to be wrong anyway. I'm going to do under with one each. Okay. All right. This will be interesting. We'll see if JC pulls this one out. Uh, I did type it out, so I remember to talk about it yeah, next week. So that's the important part. All right. Yeah. Uh, in our CFPN fantasy pool, Commissioner, you lost Ben, unfortunately. Probably very, very, very poorly because that was <laughs> my poorest showing so far. Oh, Thanks really? for nothing, Brady. You're <laughs> my captain and you gave me nine freaking points. <laughs> He did have a tough one, that's oh, for sure. Um, and I pulled out the win against Superfan. So uh, in our Civil War, then uh, let's see. I believe you beat me the first time, if I remember correctly. Kayla, or did I did I beat you in that one? Am I two out of three? Because that would be great. I'd be, I have no. Be, I, I yeah. honestly just don't care anymore. I think I'm going to okay. take the Valentine approach and just do all else. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how that goes. Um, it's the final week of our regular season in that league. Uh, Kamish, you have Zach from Bonfire Sport. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Super fan has Trey Colbeck from Canadian Football Countdown. And I have Ben from X's and Argos. So I will happily take the L this week from a guy who's much smarter about football than I am. Um, but uh, follow along for that. And then we'll, I did uh, clinch a playoff spot. So at least I know I will be in the next week. We'll see how we go after this particular week so where that lands. This is our last regular Game? Right. Yes. Because oh, screw we... it. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm doing the full Alex approach. Yeah, <laughs> I'm out of it anyway. You might as well. Zach's gonna be like, "Well, I know what to do." Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Go Perfect. full elk. Uh, go... <laughs> that could be kind of fun, actually. If they yep. both did it, yeah, he could go full go bomber. Full out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of ways that could go that I'm just gonna. <laughs> <laughs> 
bite my tongue and carry on. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, there's a much different connotation now to going full elk than That's... there was earlier in the year. Yeah, yeah, when... uh, seven weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, that would, we that would really be. Yeah, we don't talk about that on this. No, I'm kidding. No, we PTSD. do talk about PTSD. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the, just... the before times. The before times. Start rocking in my shoes. <laughs> it's not okay. It's not okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I like going to Commonwealth. I like going to Commonwealth. Okay. Yeah. It's. Uh, I do now. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's um, well, JC, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast. Um, it was amazing to have you on. Tell everybody where they can find all of your great work and interact with you online. Well, you can check out Three Down Nation for all my latest articles and analysis, the Three Down Nation podcast. I'm not on this week. I chose you guys over them. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Honored. So, next week, you can check out me out there. And then, of course, on Twitter at the JC Abbott is the best place to find me uh, and, and read all my pithy tweets about everything CFL. <laughs> or are they i guess they're they're x's now is that what we're calling them that, i don't really I, know but i don't know i've heard zeets I, I i like i said they're gonna start charging and we're all gonna go somewhere else that's fine uh that's just the way it goes <laughs> okay uh commissioner where does everybody find you on twitter at Duchess lombardi perfect i'm so glad uh -huh. you continue to call it that uh i'm too old to change <laughs> that's <laughs> Find Superfan Mike at 56 Parkies and the Edmonton History at EDM H-I-S-T-O-R-E-E. And of course, you can find me at Free Palicious and the show at The Turf District. That's basically on every kind of uh, social media platform. Uh, we are also on Blue Sky, though, and I screwed that one up because it's Turf District Pod instead of The Turf. I don't know why did that but anyway it, it was just funny but uh make sure that you check those out and of course check out some of my uh musings on three down nation as well after the game uh make sure that you are checking out our friends at pay it forward with football they have a fundraising event coming october 27th uh it's at mkt beer market and they are oh, i think they only have about 40 tickets left so uh our good friends dave morley are hosting so make sure that you join in in that fun uh, if you are uh, on YouTube, you can stick around. I will stick around for a little bit of overtime uh, to answer a few of your questions and have a little bit of a chat. Uh, otherwise, we will be back next week to talk about the next big win from the Edmonton Elks. And we will talk about setting up our game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So thank you again for joining us for JC Abbott, Commissioner Kayla, and Superfan Mike. I'm Andrew. Remember, you can't catch the balls with your face, and we will absolutely. Talk to you next week.